from the Midwest Coast. I'm inside that miraculous establishment, the Midwest Healing Center, Lake of the Ozarks Podcast, Studio B. This is the New Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Tell somebody about the podcast. You know it's all free. You can download any of these free apps to any mobile device, Podbean, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, iTunes Store, Spotify. They're all free. Why it's freer than a trip to the Ukraine. That's right. The president goes to the Ukraine on President's Day as he promises them billions of more dollars. You know, so that they can, and I quote... So they can have government pensions to live on. All the while, the people in East Palestine, Ohio, sick, dying, can't drink the water after a train wreck, can't work, can't go home, can't breathe. But hey, Ukrainian government officials need to have a secure future pension to live on. He hasn't gone to Ohio, but let's spend millions to go to the Ukraine so we can give them billions. Sounds about right. Get the free apps. That's all the president's going to allow you to afford is the free ones. How is everybody doing today? I don't apologize. He did it. Ridiculous. Uh, stick with me today. My voice is a little strained, but we're going to get through this podcast. I hope it's helped some people. I know we've been looking into righteousness. We've titled this series, Not Guilty. I like that, don't you? Not Guilty. That sounds like good news to me. Let's jump right into this one today. Turn with me to John 3. Of course, you know we're going to be in Romans 8 as well. Boy, how many of you are thankful that you're not guilty? No, I know you did it. At times, we slipped back and sinned and fallen short, but not guilty. That's good news. John 3 and verse 14, do we know this one? Can, can we really get any more out of this? And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. How can a brass serpent on a pole be like Jesus hanging on a cross. We're talking about the holy, spotless, sinless one. What would know the story they're referencing is those children of Israel, they were released from their captivity, that slavery that had been going on for 400 years. Now here they are. They must have forgotten already how good it was to be free, and so they start complaining. You ever done that? God does something for you, and then not too long after, you complained about some stuff. So they're complaining against God. How many of you know that's not too smart? Complaining against Moses, and so we know snakes come. Poisonous vipers. Now, they had no issue with snakes up to this point. They'd been under the protection of God, but now they've opened the door through sin, and now it's not strange that there's snakes that are out there, but no trouble with them up to this point. But now here they are, snakes have come, and they're biting the people. But the idea that I want to express is they did do this, didn't they? They sinned. I mean, they badmouthed the very God who just delivered them, saying things like, we had it better in Egypt, where they were worked to death, literally. Now God speaks to Moses and said, okay, okay, if you want this to stop, you're going to have to make a brass serpent. You're going to put it on a pole. Everybody that looks upon that and stops looking at the snakes, they're going to be healed. They're going to be protected. So they did, and what? Well, the snakes left. People's bodies were healed, and they were given a chance to repent and keep going to the promised land. And so just like Jesus, we've sinned, right? We've come out of captivity and God has been so good to us and yet we've blown it and we've complained and 
sometimes we open the door for trouble in our lives and we've accused God of things that he had nothing to do with, right? We get upset and point a finger to the sky. Why, God, why? We've been mad at him even though he's delivered us and we've questioned him and we've said dumb things. And yet, just like these in that wilderness, Jesus was lifted up on that cross. And the reference is simply this. Even though you've blown it, even though you've done it, even though you've opened yourself up at times, but if you'll look upon the Lord, if you'll look at Jesus the Christ, the one who became sin with my sin, you can be saved from that poison of this world. You can be healed even though I, I know you did it. Saved, healed, delivered, set free, and found not guilty. And be able to continue to your promised land that God has set before you. Verse 15, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already, because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten son. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. When I started in ministry over 20, uh, maybe 25 years ago now, I took the angle that I thought people were in trouble, not because they were bad people, but rather because they were ignorant, right? Destroyed because of a lack of knowledge, the Bible says. But I see that's not the biggest problem all the time. It, It is a problem, but maybe not the biggest one. People have seen light and didn't want it. That verse says that people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge, but it finishes by saying because you rejected knowledge. See, we've got to start now walking in the light that you have. Now, along the way, we know God will give you more and more. You may not know some things now, but if you'll start where you're at right now, you won't remain ignorant. And this just came to me. I think, and I'm just throwing this out there. I don't know. You, you, you take this for what it is, but I mean, just, just came to me. Why would people reject the light? I think it's because we know light dispels darkness. But the darkness that we have has brought on guilt, shame, and condemnation. And when the light comes, I think a lot of people feel guilty. They feel ashamed. When those deeds are exposed, when those things happen, I think it's the guilt and the shame that causes them to say, man, I, I, I can't walk in that light. I, I have to reject that light because I feel too bad. And they didn't understand what the light was really supposed to do to cleanse and to, to restore. And so that's just something that came to me. I don't know. You can take that for what it is, but I feel like that's probably true. But again, if, 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 we'll, if we'll start where we're at now with what you got, you won't remain ignorant. The truth will make you free, but ignorance isn't the biggest problem. It's seeing light and not walking in it. We see here in verse 17, God did not send Jesus to condemn the world. Jesus didn't come to find guilty, to judge guilty. Righteousness means to declare not guilty, innocent, justified. So which are you? Are you guilty or not guilty? Are you condemned or are you justified? Well, I know you act like you know the right answer. Now, here's what we have to learn. What you say carries way more weight than what anybody else says about you. If I listened to the other ministers in this community and some of their people, I would have closed shop and I, I, I would have left this area yesterday, right? I mean, they cannot stand the idea that I'm in the pulpit. That somehow now this started way before this, but even now for sure that those of you that don't know, and you know I'm always very transparent on here, I've been divorced for some time. And they just cannot understand how God is allowing me to stand here 
before you on this podcast, to dare to stand in a pulpit on a Sunday. And let me tell you, divorce is just one of many things that I have done that I could say is not pleasing to the Father. I, I mean, we, you want to stand here and spend a month with me? If we, if we wanted to, we can go back through my whole life. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was questioned for an hour and a half on how terrible I am and how dare I and how could I. And all I heard was the accuser talking. Now, this was from the daughter of one of the pastors in this town. How can I? How could I? How is it that I could dare take the pulpit, the accuser? Because he's trying to get me to agree with him. You're right. What am I doing? I can't stand here. Listen, I won't do it. I won't do it because I'm innocent. I'm blameless. Friends, I am not guilty. The book of Revelation says that they overcame by two things, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Now, it wasn't just a testimony like, oh, I was healed of uh, cancer and suffering. No, no, no. Look, look at it like you're in court. Here you are. You're going to take the stand and you're, you're going to testify on your own behalf. Isn't that right? And, and what are you saying about you? What did your lawyer, what did your advocate tell you to say? He didn't come to show us our guilt and how terrible we are compared to him. He didn't come to tell us how evil we are and how far short of his glory we are. No, the law did that. The law told us how low we were. But Jesus came. He came to give us life and more abundantly. Isn't that right? He came to show us how a righteous man lives and operates and then pays the price so that we could be righteous too, just like him. We know our righteousness was filthy rags. He didn't just show us, but he made a way to walk into it. Romans 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Is this Bible? How much condemnation? Now, no Wait a minute now, how much? When is there no condemnation? Now? To who? Not everybody, but to them which are in Christ Jesus. Is that you today? Is it me? Those that believe on him. Now, no finding of guilt, and if no guilt, then what? Well, no punishment for the guilt. No sentence given. We need to know and really need to examine ourselves to see how much of his righteousness that we're walking in. You can tell by how much fear, how much you fear punishment. I know people uh, that walk in a constant state of fear of God's punishment. Well, that tells me you're not walking fully in his righteousness then. If you are blameless, if you're shameless, if blameless and shameless, then you're fearless. If you have a lot of fear, then you're believing you're guilty and, and you're deserving of punishments. Romans 8 and verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now, a law is something that happens the same way every single time. Like uh, the law of gravity. What goes up will come down every time. This is a law of sin and death. And every time the wages of sin is death. That's a law. You sin, you die. It's a law. But there's another law that came and it superseded this law. Imagine law of gravity for centuries after centuries. Man could not fly. Birds could do it. Insects could do it, but not man. He could look up in the sky, and if you ever talked about it, if, uh, no, no, listen, if man was meant to fly, God would have given him wings. Never going to happen. Well, it's the law of gravity. Physical and science, you can't do it until we could. There's another law called the law of lift, and for centuries, nobody knew about this. 
a wing is curved on one side, flat on the other. And when the air goes over it, the air has to go faster on one side than the other, and it creates a vacuum. And it'll lift it right off the ground, fly like a bird. See, there was another law. There is a law of sin and death. And when you sin, you die. Well, there's another law. Aren't you happy? Aren't you happy it overcame the law of sin and death and it lifts you? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free. It's given me liftoff away from that law of sin and death. It lifted me. I'm not stuck to it. Romans 8 and verse 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Listen, friends, there is no sin problem because Jesus dealt with the sin problem. He took it, he became it, he judged it, and he freed us from it. When he raised from the dead, Hebrews says he rose free from sin, but in death he became our sin. He had it, he became it, but now he's free from it. So where is it? Did he give it back to us? No, they were washed away. They're gone. They don't exist anymore except in the minds of your accusers. They're the only ones that are holding on to sins that Jesus washed away. Let me tell you something. You've done some things, but I want you to know this. You don't need to be ashamed any longer. Don't be afraid of bad things happening to you because of your sin. Come on, say it with me, right? We're saying some things. Say blameless, shameless, fearless. For years and years, the church has refused to walk in the light given to them. They refuse to preach on our righteousness and rather preach on your sins, how unworthy we are. I, I thought my Bible said it was the goodness of God that draws men to repentance. You know, that's why we say here at the Midwest Healing Center Church at the MHC, we're not going to beat the hell out of you. We're going to love the hell out of you. This was all done because of love. So they, they much rather preach on your sins, how unworthy we are. Oh, you're saved, but, uh, you know, not really righteous, you know, nothing on righteousness. We're more than saved, friends. More than forgiven, more than saved from hell. Thank God for it, but he's done more than forgive us. Not only forgiven, but forgiven and cleansed, washed, not just saved from hell. This is something I begin to notice as people would receive forgiveness, knowing they needed to repent because the church would be sure that you knew that every week. But I would see people repent and they still acted like, well, because of the subculture in the church, they could repent but you still had to act like you were guilty for a while, like kind of paying for what you've done. I was raised under this teaching for three decades that yes, you did it. You need to repent and God will forgive you, no, no doubt. But how dare you come in here and act like everything's okay though. And so they would remind you often, hey, remember when you blew it? You need to be careful. You need to step it up. You need to watch out. So we created this idea that he'll forgive everybody, but you're not really free yet. You're on probation. But then I saw this, and I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I can't help it. 1 John 1 and verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, wait a minute. I see he'll forgive me, but what else? People, people aren't hearing the rest of the good news. And cleanse us. What's a cleansing? That's a, that's a washing away, right? The, the blood of the lamb washed away our sins, cleansing us from all unrighteousness, meaning what? not guilty. So stop acting like you are. Stop moping around, head down, can't act like I'm doing okay because I sinned. No, I asked for forgiveness, but you know I did it. No, you're made righteous. It's not preached enough because pastors and churches can't control you then. How many Christians are very aware of their sins and failures and shortcomings and how many sermons have we heard about being unworthy? Well, you're becoming blame-minded. And if guilty, 
you need to be punished. So any problem that comes, we've made you believe that this is a payment for your sins. I probably deserve that. I went to a church that ran on fear so much that when the pastor would ever tell somebody that he needed to see them in his office, you felt like you were going to the principal's office. Oh man, here it comes. I've done something. I'm going to get it now. And everybody walked on eggshells. Sin consciousness. It keeps you waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? It's coming. I'm always looking over my shoulder. And when anything goes wrong, what do you think? I knew something was coming. We've been so under this with some of this in this, in this community that we've even had them saying, <laughs> we even have them saying that our, we have a big, big, big God of Miracles sign on the front of our building. And uh, at one point after we had put that sign up, uh, some spring storms came and blew part of the sign down because the guy that hung it didn't put it upright. Uh, the screws didn't go into anything and it blew down and there were some gaps in the thing and the wind got behind it and it blew down. And, uh, but when it blew down, we had people in this community saying, when I say people, I'm talking about Christians. See, it's God's wrath upon them. That that was truly a sign that the God of miracles had removed his power from this place. And when the sign fell, it was a sign of our sin. Seriously. They keep watching for any little thing. I told that person that who came to me that ran me through for over an hour and a half, don't hold your breath. I can promise you I'll be here long after you're gone. But see, this is the doctrine that people have created, that if any problem comes, well, it's God's judgment. Now, when it comes to them, though, when something happens to them, though, it's the enemy, right? Oh, pray for me. The enemy's coming against me, but right, it's the enemy. But when it's you, it's God's judgment. So instead of, of resisting a problem, we receive it because we have a guilty conscience. Jesus never talked this way. He never, he never talked this way. He never thought this way. When he saw an attack, a sickness, he never said, well, yeah, you're so unworthy. And we deserve whatever comes our way because of our faults and our failures. No, he would stand up bold as a lion. He would look sickness in the eye and tell it to get out of there. He spoke to storms and demons and they obeyed him. And the church would have you believe, well, yeah, that's Jesus, and you aren't Jesus. That's another way of saying he's innocent and holy, and uh, <laughs> I mean, you're not. Well, guess what? If you're not, then we have us a problem. No, listen to me. If we aren't righteous with his righteousness, then you're not righteous at all. You're either a saint or you ain't, and it all comes back to wrong thinking. What we can do will never save you. You can't do anything to be called holy, no good deeds, and trying to walk right. Listen, God will never look upon that and say, well, that's good enough to be righteous. Keep up the good work. Never. I'm telling you, this is what drives people out of the church. This idea from pulpits that you got to work harder, longer, showing up and putting in the time, and as good as you ever do, though, I'm telling you, it'll never be enough. When you reach it, the bar gets moved. I lived this forever. I would reach the standards they set. And the moment that you do, the bar would get moved again. You'll never get it. You're going to wear yourself out. Works. No, the Lord gave us his righteousness. All you have to do to have it is believe it. And by faith, receive it and confess it over yourselves. And if it's true, then you are accepted by the father as Jesus is because it's his righteousness. The father of the prodigal son had to give that boy his robe. He gave it. That robe was a type of righteousness and saying that when you see that, he's accepted. 
He's been accepted by the Father. No, we all know what he did, but that's covered. And now all you can see is that robe of righteousness. Yes, it's the Father's, but I'm wearing it because he gave it to me. And if he gave it, nobody can take it from you. Innocent, clean, just like Jesus. Holy, just like him. Because it's all his anyway. And if it's true, you're not guilty or condemned, but blameless and shameless. And if you can get this in you, you become fearless. You begin to pray like Jesus. You will come boldly into the throne room of God like Jesus. You will talk to the almighty God like he's actually your father who is madly in love with you. No more begging prayers and beating on the gates of heaven. Hebrews 4, look at this. This is Hebrews 4 and verse 14. Seeing that we have a great high priest, do we? His name is Jesus, who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession, right? What you say. It's important what you say about it. They overcame the word, uh, they overcame by the word of their testimony, what they say. So Jesus is the high priest of what we say, and this is why we're so focused on saying the right things. This is what Jesus works with in this kingdom is confession. Hebrews 4.15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Nobody can say that no one understands what it's like to be me. Jesus was tempted in every way that you could be, and he never gave in to it, proving that you can resist it. Hebrews 4 and verse 16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. How can you and I come to the throne of grace? There is no cleaner, more pure place. The almighty God's purity is hard for us to fathom. Holy. That's what the angels cry, holy, holy, holy. Because in his presence, it'll just come out of you. There is no sin, no curse, no impurity or evil at the throne of God. How is it possible that you and I can come blazing right in there, the most holy place in the entire universe, and not come groveling or begging? No, we're not coming in arrogantly, but we didn't come to beg, but boldly, confident right? Head up, back straight. How? You got to be blameless. You got to be shameless. It's going to make you fearless. Come on, you got to say it again. Say, I'm blameless. I'm shameless. That makes me fearless. Come on, that's you today. You got to continue to say these things, friends. Hebrews 10, Jesus' righteousness enables us to stand in the presence of God without guilt, shame, or any sense of inferiority. It also allows us to stand before the enemy with no fear as well. Because he has nothing on us. He doesn't own us. Well, but yeah, you know what? You did this and you did that and you were this and you were that. Well, have you been born again? Have you been born again? Go to 2 Corinthians 5. We'll get back to Hebrews 2. But in 2 Corinthians 5, imagine what it will be like for Holy Spirit to really reveal this to you outside of this podcast. And you be completely free from all condemnation, zero shame, no guilt, what kind of person would you be? Well, you'd be somebody like Jesus. You'd be able to walk like Jesus. You'd be able to pray like Jesus. You'd be able to speak like Jesus, talk to your enemy like Jesus. And the truth is, you are in him, and he is your righteousness, and it is of him. Second Corinthians five seventeen. therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. So what does that mean? So all the stuff that you did before you were saved, well, that person doesn't exist anymore. 
old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Why? Well, how? The Apostle Paul understood something in Galatians 2.20. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Crucified. Somebody died. Did you attend your own funeral? The day you said yes to Jesus, you said no to you. And you died. And I'm telling you, dead men don't worry about sin. Dead men don't worry about guilt and shame and paying for their past actions. And dead men don't have any fear. Dead men aren't having their transgressions held against them. No, you died. And the life that you are now living, you are living by the faith of the Son of God. Oh, you have the same body, but that's just the house you live in. The real you is inside there. And the man before Christ isn't home anymore. New creation. Old things are passed away and all, all things are become new. Never let the devil put you under guilt and shame that happened before you were born again. You're not that person. Well, but what about the stuff that's taken place since then? Have you read 1 1 John 1 and verse 9? Is he faithful? Is he faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness? All of it? The same blood that cleansed you is the same blood that keeps you, and it never loses its power. Verse 18, 2 Corinthians, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and he's committed to us the word of of reconciliation. Does God want everybody reconciled back to him? Why did Jesus come? so that everybody could be right with God again, no matter what they had done. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God in him. He became our sin. He was judged for our sin. Why? Not just so we could cry over it and, oh, he hung on that cross. No, what does that give us? What does that mean to us? We can be forgiven, but it's way more than that. We can be saved from hell, yes, but much more than that. We aren't unworthy forgiven worms. It was your sin. Those things that the enemy tried to keep against you, he became sin with that sin. And so so what then? That you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He was sin with your sin so that we could be righteous with his righteousness. It's the great trade-out. This is what it was all about. This is why we can come boldly before the throne of God. Jesus went to the center of the earth and he was judged for that sin. It did demand judgment. And the wages of sin was death and somebody had to pay that. And the full punishment came upon him. We don't even know what all that means, but he paid the price. And when the father saw that it was the right time and the price had been paid, heaven spoke and hell shook. On that day, Jesus was the first one to ever be born again. And he rose from the dead and he came up out of that place and he went back into his body and it was transformed and was changed by the glory of God. And eventually he was caught up and he sat down at the right hand of the father. And if he could come from the heart of the earth and then sit down at the right hand after being made sin with your sin... That's why you and I, even though we were what we were, can now come from where we were and walk right into the presence of God. We too are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. It's our duality. It's not a type of bragging and boasting to walk and talk righteous. 
because I didn't do it. He did it. I just received it. But, it. but it's mine nonetheless because he said so. Now that settles it. Hebrews 10. You know when God gave the pattern of the Holy of Holies to Moses, it was patterned off of heaven. It wasn't patterned off of anything on the earth. And God gave that pattern of what's in heaven. And so they, they brought the blood of the innocent animals. The high priest could, could do that. And they would take that blood into the Holy of Holies to attain forgiveness and atonement. And all of that was a type of the real thing. And in the fullness of time, there came one that was born of a woman, a spotless lamb, the spotless lamb of God. And he was offered and he shed his blood. And, and when he overcame, he paid the price. He took his own blood into the Holy of Holies. And there he obtained an eternal redemption, not covered, but redeemed by the blood, not just forgiven, but made righteous, clean and holy by his blood. First Corinthians 1 and verse 30, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Your Bible says we even have the mind of Christ, but you know, you don't earn that. And guess what? Nobody is more righteous than you. Come on, did you hear that sacred cow scream? Well, I wouldn't say I'm righteous. I mean, I, I do the best I can. Well, then you're an eight. That's the best you can ever do. It'll never add up. There are so many caught up in the lie that before they can come into a place like this that they got to work on themselves. Get better, get cleaner. I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. If you could, you would never need Jesus. If we could do it, none of this would be necessary. No, you receive it. Just as with all of this, Hebrews 10, have we gotten there yet? The writer of Hebrews is showing us all the types and the shadows and how the reality has now taken place in heaven itself. The high priest has brought the sacrificial blood into the Holy of Holies, not a type. Now it's the, the real. And he did that for us. So what does that mean to us? Verse 12, but this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God, from that time waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. For by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. I would think it insulting for you and I to try and make right your sin and do penance. It's acting like the blood wasn't enough. It was lacking somehow, and we have to add our little stuff to it. No one offering was made, and it was, there was, there was, no, one offering was made, and it was accepted, and he has perfected them who are sanctified. Who is that? That's you, those who believe on him. In Hebrews 10, I think it's 15 through 18, but the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after he had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts and into their minds, I will write them. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. Now where there is remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. If he doesn't remember them, why should you? And why should I? And let me add this. Don't allow others to bring back to remembrance your sins to you. If they have a problem with it, they can go ask the Lord about it. But he's going to tell them, I don't know what you're talking about. Don't allow people to do that. They want you to pay for that. But see, as it says, where there is a remission of these, there's no longer an offering for sin. If no sin, no punishment for sin. 
God does not remember it. That's his choice to forgive and forget. Why bring it back up to him? Don't allow these to do it. Who are they? If God says it's all good, well, that's enough. The rest of them can go on down the road. You have no more an offering for sin, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus. You want to talk about boldly going where no man has gone before. Jesus paved that way with his blood. No man could ever be holy enough, couldn't do enough. Remember in Revelation where it says the scroll was found and no man could open it and John cried, why? He's a good holy man, but not him or anybody else was good enough in and of themselves to open it. Not one clean enough, holy enough. The elder of the angel said, don't cry. There is one who can open it. It's the Lamb of God who became a man and he opened the book and he went right into that place with his blood. And when he did it, it qualified all of us who would receive him to be able to follow him into the holiest. You need to say it. Say, I have boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. That's the truth. Hebrews 10, 20 through 22, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Peter, after seeing that miracle of Jesus, drew back and he said, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. You can't be around me, right? He was ashamed of a sin and he felt like he couldn't be near such holiness. But he didn't know that's why Jesus was there. But now we can draw near with a heart full of assurance, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Listen, you're not just forgiven. I mean, thank God for it. But if you'll, if you'll let our very consciousness to be cleansed and washed from all guilt and shame, and no matter where and what and when, you can be clean, you can have a clean conscience as though you have never sinned. Now that messes with people. The church doesn't understand how somebody who has done some stuff can walk in and feel accepted. They want you to, yes, be forgiven, but not forgotten. And they want you to put your head down and look like you're ashamed of what you've done. And listen, I'm telling you, that's unbiblical to act such a way. Colossians 1, 13 and 14, you've been cleansed by the blood, right? He has delivered us from the power of darkness. He conveyed, he, he conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins. Was the blood enough? Hebrews 10, 22, 23, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance. What's he saying? Come on, you gotta have full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. What confession? The confession that I am holy. I'm free by the blood. I'm sanctified. I'm righteous. You need to confess it because he who promised, he is faithful. He's faithful. Say it with me. I've been cleansed by the blood of the lamb. I'm no longer guilty. I'm no longer accepting blame for any sin. I've been washed by the blood. I've been made clean. Come on, say it. Say, I'm righteous, holy by the blood. Now say this, say, I'm blameless. I'm shameless. And that makes me bold and fearless. Listen, I'm, I'm bold enough to tell the devil where to get off, to bind him up and shut him up and put him where he belongs, right? Come on, we're fearless. 1 John 4, 14 and 15, 
We have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. So does God dwell in you? Well, we're talking about the creator of the universe, the Holy One. He's in you, right? Are you sure today? Is that true for us, those who confess? That's who it's for. Verse 16, we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness. Now, hold on now. We've seen in Revelation about that great day that's coming when the people will see that perfect judge of all the earth. And many fear this day, but guess what? Not us, not us. Because this says that we may have boldness when? In that day of judgment. How? We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. The wages of sin is death, Donnie. But those who believe on him have no need of fear of any judgment nor punishment. We will be able to be bold and unafraid on that day of judgment. Why? How could any human being stand before the perfect, holy judge at that great white throne of judgment? Because as he is, so we are in this world. Wait, how is he? Come on, you got to say it. As he is, so am I. What are we saying today? He's not guilty. So guess what that makes me? Not guilty. Come on, is Jesus afraid of punishment from the Father? No way. As he is, so are we. Is he clean and pure and holy and accepted and loved by the Father? Yes. So what of it? So am I. So are you. That's the good news, friends. Your merits will never hold up. You're either a saint or you ain't. Ain't saved, ain't in the family, ain't believing. Because if you are, then there's only one way you got in. The blood. It forgave you, yes, but it made you righteous and holy and accepted. Well, that's all the time I have for today. Thank you for joining me on the new Old School Podcast. I am your host, Don Allen. Until next time. I'm not guilty because of that. Because of that ruling, you know what I'll go, I'm going to be doing, right? Tempting the ridiculous and achieving the miraculous. Won't you join me?